I've worked on a Razzie Worst Picture winner. <laughs> uh, blonde? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. God. Terrible. Yeah. Anyway, uh, 19... Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to try to say something cheery up. I can't think anything. Yeah, so. there's nothing. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Welcome to the Replay Value Podcast, where we deep dive into the movies we all love to watch over and over again. I'm Phil, joined by my brother from the same mother, our co-host on the West Coast, Warren. What's up, bro? In this episode, we're going to talk about the slasher horror classic, Friday the 13th. Air and suspense abound in this 24-hour nightmare of blood. Camp Crystal Lake has been shuttered for over 20 years due to several vicious and unsolved murders. The camp's new owners and seven young counselors are readying the property for a reopening despite warnings of a death curse by local residents. The curse proves true on Friday the 13th as one by one each of the counselors is stalked by a violent killer. This film is widely acclaimed for its horrifying and creative murder sequences. Uh, that is the uh, back of the Paramount VHS box. <laughs> yeah. Hi-fi. Uh, let's see. It's, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's uh, one of the classic boxes, man, when you look at it. It's, uh, of course, uh, the you know, you got the um, mm-hmm. the, the, the vintage uh, one-sheet, uh, the theatrical poster uh, with the silhouette of, uh, well, not this movie. <laughs> it's the only movie that isn't Jason. It's Jason's mom. Uh, yeah. But it's not clear in the silhouette. But when you look at it now, it's very uh, ambiguous as to who the killer could be uh, mm-hmm. with the picture uh, on the front of the cover. Uh, you got the classic title font, 13 in blood. I mean, this is just this is just so cool to look at these old VHS boxes like this. I, I'm a sucker for this stuff, man. I, I yeah. love I love these old uh, 80s uh, home video uh cassette tapes these are awesome well so i I like the end of that where they're just like it's acclaimed for and i was like holding my breath i'm like acclaimed for what (laughs) yeah yeah, i don't know man (laughs) look uh i'm sorry i we we're we're, we're, look we we grew up on john carpenter horror films and i'm sorry i watched this movie and it just seems like a a a knockoff of halloween to me especially now more so now than ever it, 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 we'll just get that out of the way. It is, uh, it is a derivative of the, especially with the whole first person. Uh, oh, the, the point of view shots. I mean, and he in 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 the the direction in this film, it really overdoes the point of view. Carpenter does it so tastefully in Halloween, and it's just overplayed here. For for, for those who don't remember or haven't seen Halloween in a while, the opening scene is in a first person perspective, and it you end, 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 end finding out it's like oh it's a twist, there's a shock that it's Michael Myers is a boy, it's a young child, as the killer at the very beginning in the opening scene of Halloween. They're just like, okay, what if we just took that and did a whole movie? No, but see, here's the problem. See, but that's where Carpenter's skill really elevates uh, it, it, what he did. He used the POV shots in Halloween to establish suspense and yeah. make it thrilling and scary. Uh, and they're adding an element of realism because you felt like, oh, that's what the stalker would be seeing. In this film, 
Those shots are a crutch. Anytime it gets to action and there's a killer, it just goes straight POV. There's no artistic mm-hmm. quality to it being used. It's just uh, automated in, in a way, and it, and it really loses its power because of it. Yeah, so from a Rotten Tomatoes perspective, and I know those ratings can be skewed, but when you look at it from both the um, critics and the audience score, I know it's an older film. This is probably one of the lowest ones <laughs> that we've done. Let's be fair. This thing is riding on the coattails of Nightmare on Elm Street for our double feature. Uh, it's a perfect partner for the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So I, I know that this movie takes place June 13th, uh, you know, being the Friday the 13th. But we are recording this uh, the week after a Friday the 13th in October. So that, that did <laughs> all play. months, October, right? I mean, when's the last yeah. time you can remember a Friday the 13th in, in October? All right. Uh, so I'll, I'll also just get this out of the way too. I saw, had seen this movie one other time prior to, the, to watching it for Same. the podcast. So this is only the second time so much so that like, I was like, Oh shit, Kevin Bacon is in this. I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah. But, only actor uh, that really, you know, from the movie. Yeah. Uh, but Warren, kick us off. How did this film get made? Who made it? Uh, above the Line, written by Victor Miller, produced by Sean S. Cunningham. Directed by Sean S. Cunningham uh, as well. Produced and directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Yeah. But uh, he, he was a producer on Wes Craven's The Last House on the Left. Yeah. So, um, uh, Which is interesting that he also was, um, he produced um, the remake of Friday the 13th as well as the remake of Last House on the Left. So he did come back and have that connection nah, with West. probably more of an executive producer thing because he was a producer on these movies. There's a licensing or royalty thing where he automatically gets producer credit and gets paid for it on the new one. I mean, John Peters had that in a lot of his films. That's the fair. Batman but films. I mean, I'm just, I don't know how much creative input he had. Well, I'm just saying also the connection with the remake of last house on the left uh, too so sure. um so the, the the film though um got a, you know you said written by victor miller who um went on to do a lot of daytime soap operas as well as j- the 1995 film jury duty with Polly shore um so the, the the roots were there somewhat uh with cunningham but victor miller uh the roots of the of the writing and the script uh you can again evolved into like soap operas daytime soaps which you can definitely see that type of connection with the the characters and how they're written in friday the 13th they do have that type of almost um soap opera look to them and whatnot so you can see the inspiration there for for miller writing it and where that came from um as far as applying it to a horror film well, we'll talk about that in casting. I think mean, he just wanted people that looked I'm good. I'm just saying from a writing perspective. Yeah, but even from a casting that. perspective, that carried over because they just wanted actors who looked good on camera and would work for cheap. Uh, so you <laughs> plucked some soap opera actors. Um, film uh, uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures uh, domestically and Warner Brothers internationally, but this is a Paramount Pictures uh, movie. So the artistic expression or the – and I, I – we – look at this as such a copycat of Halloween. I, I really look for what re- was the original concept. What, where, where was the, you know, where was the, where was the goods on this? And so the premise of creating a serial killer, that was someone's mom killing mm-hmm. for the love of their child. Mm-hmm. So trying to have that spin on it may, you know, giving it a, a, a unique take. Uh, although I will say in the execution of the film, they just went, you know, like we said, straight Halloween copy. 
when you get to that point, uh, the last 15, 20 minutes of the film, that is the best part of it. When you get to see that realized the reveal, yeah, the reveal of that. And you're like, okay, you know, and, and you're on board for it. However, I will say that, you know, Victor Miller, that he wanted that the mother who would kill for her kids, but then did not like Jason coming back and being the killer in the sequel. So I think no, he hated it, that. The idea was originally just to keep it there. With because Mrs. Jason Voorhees. was a, a victim. Jason wasn't supposed to be the villain. Yeah. Uh, the original title of the film though was a long night at camp blood. So it didn't have the Friday, the 13th connection. Uh, but I think I'd read that when Sean Cunningham was promoting it, he said it was called Friday, the 13th, even though there was a movie that was released a year prior, another copy on the Halloween titling strategy. You pick a associated with a calendar day. It worked, but there was a year, a movie that came out in 1979 called Friday, the 13th, the orphan, that had already existed, so you it open was yourself somewhat up. successful, a little not yeah, a huge. You'll, hit, you'll be, but. Regardless, you know it's known enough that you're opening yourself up for lawsuits that had to get settled. So that film is now more commonly known as The Orphan. So basically, they paid for the rights to use Friday the Thirteenth, and then and which then they, Hollywood has rebooted that now too. Jesus, yeah, yeah, just a bunch of yeah, exactly. So uh, it, it, a very derivative film. It's kind of amazing that this something that was based on so many of the things. I mean, you look at the the shock ending that was inspired by Carrie. Uh, yeah, the, man, this movie's such a copycat. And when you see the ending, I'm like, it feels out of Carrie, man. It feels straight out of Carrie. It's what I thought of. They took a lot. It's you know, imitation being the sincerest form of flattering. You know, they they took a bunch of these ideas and and then launched a whole franchise off of it, which is kind of crazy that it worked to the degree that it did, considering. Uh, how many of the ideas came from already other well-established uh, horror films? No shame, man. Fuck. Um, filming uh, shot in and around New Jersey, September 1979. They shot at a Boy Scout camp in Hardwick, New Jersey, uh, Camp Nobi Bosco, uh, still operating today. Hell of a name. As a um, summer camp, yeah, you can still. <laughs> who the hell would want to stay there? Uh, or maybe, maybe it's uh, quite the. Uh, the opposite. It's uh, people want to go there because that's where it's shot. Um, oh, yeah. I went to the Friday the 13th camp as a kid, you know. Uh, special effects. Tom Savini from Dawn of the Dead, who would later star in Dust Till Dawn, mm-hmm. uh, worked on this film. Uh, and what I thought was shocking when I looked at the production notes is that a live snake was killed during filming of this movie. It never happened in the day. Yeah, Peter would fucking now. have a coronary. Uh, never. No. Crazy. Uh, I can't believe that. That was, it was 1980, man. I mean, I can't believe they were able to get away with that back then. Well, even though the film came out in 1980, it does have a 1970s feel to it. You know, the the, the aesthetic, the, the fashion, mm, everything. I would say most stuff, it, it's not like a clean cut, like G- January 1st, 1980, the style changes. Most decades do kind of carry have a over. transition, yeah. Yeah, I don't really think you see 80s style until like 82, 83. I think you're right. Uh, 80, 80, 81 stuff. It's full blown eighties. Yeah. 80, 81 does still feel uh, very much seventies. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's fair. Uh, Music of the film scored by Harry Manfredini. uh, Most well known for the Jason films, but also did a Wes Craven film Swamp Thing that we talked about last episode. And we love Swamp Thing. I mainly bring it up uh, because of the words, the key, 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 ma, ma, ma. What you hear when you're in the first person perspective of Mrs. Voorhees, which the, there's some been debate about it, but it is definitively key, 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 ma, 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 which comes from uh, kill, kill her mommy, 
uh, which is what uh, you know uh, Mrs. Voorhees repeats back. Uh, but uh, it, it, the, the whole vibe of that, that theme, that motif was inspired, again, another inspiration pulling from something by Jaws to have uh, that score represent the killer. So the only time you ever hear it is whenever somebody's about to die. So it, it, it sets up the audience. And I will give the movie credit for that. So many horror films and television shows now, they set you up for like a fake jump scare where you think something's going to happen and it's just somebody the character knows surprising them. There's no surprises in this film. When 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 you feel like somebody's going to die, they're going to die. You know, that, that you know exactly what is happening. Mm-hmm. For better or for worse, the pacing of the film is done in that way and the score represents that very, very well. And then also the whole Jaws thing, not only with that, but with not seeing Mrs. Voorhees until the end of the film, you don't see Jaws until the end. So, uh, but there's no misleads or or jump scares. It's all very much driven. You see the shark before the end of the movie in Jaws. You don't don't get the full. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Thank for it. Yeah. But again, another, another, something else derivative, but the score actually done very well to do that. Sure. And move on to the stars of the picture. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Starring Betsy Palmer, Adrian King, Harry Crosby, son of Bing Crosby. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> uh, Lori Bartram, uh, Mark Nelson, his feature film debut, Janine Taylor, Robbie Morgan, and Kevin Bacon. A good get the big what if out of the way. Uh, Alice, um, the uh, I would say that the main character, the main protagonist that survives. Uh, big what if for that one, Sally Field is who they wanted but, but obviously way too expensive could couldn't get her for wow. uh, at the, that point in her career for uh, uh the low budget that this film carried um so that's why you do see a, a lot of the camp counselors uh the, the actors that were cast in the film uh i think what did you how did you say it earlier people that would look good read the dialogue somewhat well and work cheap you know, yeah kind of again in the vein of uh, what like a daytime soap opera, you know, actors yeah. that are trying to make a name for themselves. And that's that, that. So most of what you see in the film is fairly unknown at the time. And of course, Kevin Bacon would go on to become, well, you know, Kevin Bacon. Have a career, yeah. He has. yeah uh, no one really made a lot of money on this. I think uh, the highest paid in the cast was Betsy Palmer, at least on a per day basis. She made a thousand dollars per day. For ten days, uh, for ten days, and that, that's the rate now. The SAG union rate's about a thousand fifty-four a day plus ten percent. So I mean, that's right about that. At what forty something years later, so yeah. So she, um, at that point, had previously played. No uh, wonder like, the union's on strike. Jesus. <laughs> at that point, she mainly played wholesome characters, and so it was very against the grain for her to play um, a role like oh, this. She's a miser method actor, man. That's right. Yeah. Um, but she said she only accepted it because she needed a new car. Uh, but actually, she thought the film was, quote, a piece of shit. Uh, was not a big <laughs> fan of it. And it's just, I guess, ironic, if you will, that I would say most people uh, ha- have her pegged as being most well-known for uh, for Mrs. Voorhees. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, so the, 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 take, take that for what, it, what it's worth. Uh, for her, it was worth a uh, $10,000, <laughs> $1,000 a day for 10 days. <laughs> um, so I will ask you, Warren, uh, I think it's probably a pretty easy question, uh, but do you need a second to stop eating? I, I see you chewing and I'm trying to mm-hmm. try to keep talking to buy you more time here. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was going to ask your Mount Rushmore, but I feel like we're going to agree and say it's everyone except Kevin Bacon on this. 
Yeah, it's everyone except Kevin. That's exactly, this is exactly what I wrote down. Everyone except Kevin Bacon. So it's it, literally, I phrased it the exact same way in my notes. Did, did you read Kevin Bacon and see food as the last name? You're like, I just got to put something yeah. in my mouth. Mm, bacon sounds good right now. <laughs> bacon. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, actors at their peak? Do you, do you, is there anybody at their peak here? Nobody. Yeah. You might no say one. Betsy Palmer, but I mean. Kevin Bacon's not. star wouldn't be born until Footloose, which was in 84. So right. that propelled him into stardom's orbit. This was just a stepping stone on the way. Yeah, so pretty much nobody. If I had to pick somebody, I'd say Betsy Palmer, but there really no one. Uh, yeah. But biggest benefactor, though, I had uh, Adrian King as Alice. I'd say that she did benefit the most from that. Kevin Bacon did not f- directly from this film. I would say, like you mentioned, Footloose is his. I, I also had Adrian King. She was a carryover into the sequel, and she was able to parlay, uh, had a career as a direct result of this movie. Yep, yep. So I would say that too. Outside yeah. of Kevin Bacon. All right. Um, nobody's star in this movie ended up shining anywhere near as bright as Kevin Bacon. So you, really, yeah, you, no, you have really, to qualify that almost. It's, it, the disparity is, is unlike any other movie we've done before. It, it's shocking, yes, indeed. Um, so it, you might have your hands full. Uh, I'm kind of curious who you picked as your MVP. Oh, man. And look, it's uh, when these kind of films, the slasher films, with all the tropes and themes... We know who the MVP is. It's the person carrying the film. It's the last girl. It's Adrienne King. She's yeah. the heroine of the film. Uh, it's her movie, uh, if it's anybody's, other than the, the villain. But, again, we don't see her until the last 10 minutes. Betsy Palmer is pretty solid in the last 10 minutes. So, I mean, I give her the, the, the you know, is the, the she, supporting though, award. Is she pretty solid in the last 10 minutes? I mean, for what it came out then, she's fully committed. I mean, for yeah. what the film is, she's giving it everything. So, um some of the fight choreography, maybe not so much, but <laughs> no, nah, but hey, man, she's dialed in. I think uh, I think if this film had uh, more money, that the fight choreography would have been better. But that's where it does take you out of the film a little bit. Is you know, I feel like yeah, Adrian uh, man, King, even really good movies had bad bad fight. That's choreography fair. That's fair. Then. Yeah. Okay. No good choice for MVP. Yeah, you got to go with uh, who's who's carrying it there at the, at the end. Of it. Yeah. A lot of a lot of good directors can't direct action. Know that. All right, stats and accolades of Friday the 13th. Release date, another horror film that is not released in October or, any, or near it. May 9th, hell? 1980 is when Dude, this They dropped the ball. They, 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 Mark, I don't they, know. They, they, all these movies would have came out in September. Yeah. Like September 15th to get the now, full six-week ploy into Halloween. When we did it a couple of us, a couple movies ago, that one was in September. So I would say that, that oh. that's the closest See, one. that's the smart move. Yeah, I think Mid, Friday, mid-September. Nightmare on Elm Street was November. Maybe late it was like September after if you want to be ballsy. Uh, this yeah. is the fourth film from 1980 we've done. We did The Shining, Empire Strikes Back, and Airplane. Uh, so this is number four. Uh, mm-hmm. On a budget of $550,000. Yes, you heard that correctly. Uh, opening weekend. Uh, it, it's always difficult to track. Everybody got paid scale on this movie. Jesus. Yeah. But opening weekend, it's difficult to track back then. Um I had it, the numbers have it at 5.8 million. It was number one that week, but there really wasn't any weekly data that we track it like today. Uh, the industry does uh, domestically uh, have 39.7 million today. Uh, worldwide, again, numbers not much out there. I saw another 32,000 from a 2021 international re release. So it's one of those that pops up in theaters, I think, here and there. But uh, ultimately, though, compared to the budget, it made quite a bit of money 
Yeah, the second most profitable for Paramount behind only Airplane that year. Uh, ranked 18th at the box office for oh, wow. 1980. Uh, tagline and marketing, they were warned, they were doomed, and on Friday the 13th, nothing will save them. Yeah, I should have like gotten some voiceover credit for that. I, I feel like Paramount it was me, maybe a check okay. or something. Yeah, nice. Okay. Right, no, moving nothing. on. Uh, Runtime, an hour and 35 minutes. Rated R. With uh, zero f bombs, oh, that's not, surprising. Not a one, not yeah. a one. Uh, and uh, a body count of ten. <laughs> now, for the franchise, Jason has a hundred and fifty-two kills versus Freddy, which I believe in uh, uh, last episode for the double feature. Uh, I think it's in the sixties. Like, see, I was wanting to say sixties. Yeah. So, I mean, Jason's killed way more people. He's way more prolific. But I think it makes Freddie more meaningful. I mean, when his deaths really hit, because he's not, you know, just he can, well, also he can only kill people for the most part in the dream world, in the dream realm. Whereas, you know, and, and Jason and uh, is more of a number. Also, the ten kills in this film don't even count to Jason. Uh, I'll uh, take I'll take my chances with Jason because that's real world. You got a chance, Freddy. He can like do shit. He can he can like you can run away from him, then he just appears in front of you. Nah, fuck that. I don't like my odds in the dream world at all. You're not in control in your dreams. Yeah, yeah um, fuck that. Plus, you know, the Friday Thirteenth. It's more of a slasher. True slasher like, like franchise. Freddy Krueger is like the Sandman in your dreams. You do not want to fuck with the Sandman. That's true. Scores of the film, Rotten Tomatoes, 63%. It would be a lot lower. I think that has risen in retrospective reviews. To uh-huh. It's probably boosted a little bit because of its cult classic status. Uh, a Metascore critic, uh, here we go, 22. That makes sense. That, that is the actual out. critical score, like 14 reviews when it came out. It, critics fucking hated this movie. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert spent an entire episode absolutely <laughs> shitting on this movie. I mean, absolutely oh. ripping this movie apart uh, and slashers of the time. If it did not have the Friday the 13th name, we wouldn't be talking about this movie today. That it would not have been a franchise. It would have died on the it vine. It was the most prolific franchise until Halloween overtook it. I mean, it's a very, very. Profitable that's what I'm franchise. saying. But that's the power of a great name. If yeah, they wouldn't have got true. that, if Jason, it been, iconic. Friday the Thirteenth, iconic because of the. But the, all the movies, the absolute shit. I mean, it's yeah. just the worst of the genre as far as I'm concerned. But there's something compelling about the name Friday the 13th. If it was just called whatever it was, A Long Night at yeah. King No, the Blood. premise in and of itself is genius. The titling, uh, copying Halloween. But it Halloween. would have just been, it would have been forgotten as a B-movie, a uh, horror movie in the early 80s. It would not have gone on if it wasn't for the name. I stand by that. I don't disagree. Uh, awards of the film, uh, six nominations, a Saturn Award for Best DVD, so that's a retrospective award. Uh, <laughs> and two, Yeah, it's terrible. And uh, uh, two Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture. I think the and, first... Uh, if it was that was the first Razzie Awards, I think it was. It yeah, it was. Win, it was the inaugural was Razzie, Razzie Awards. Yeah, it was. It was nominated in the first awards. Uh, uh, Betsy Palmer was also nominated for worst supporting actress. So maybe she wasn't so good in the last I told ten you. minutes. <laughs> Just now, I nice. will say that sometimes she's a nicer I, actor. I, I want to be nice to her. Well, the, the script probably wasn't that great either. Um, the dialogue, anyway. But I, I will say that a lot of times actors do get nominated for Razzies that that don't deserve it so okay that's fair uh music of the year for 1980 grammy record of the year was sailing by christopher cross that was uh, oh that year in the grammys he won uh record of the year best album 
best song and best new artist all four of the shared category major awards it was the he was the first artist to ever win all four since then billy eilish did it in 2020 uh, adele has won all four but did not do it in the same year so she won best new artist and then like a few years later won the other three kind of swept those three so very prestigious year for the Grammys mm. for Christopher Cross. Okay. Uh, and yeah. number one song that week, uh, Call Me by, uh, by Blondie. Movies of the year. Uh, top of the box office for 1980. Number one. Oh, you're going to love this. Star Wars. Uh, Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Fucking yeah. no, <laughs> dork. Uh, like, I could have told yeah, you that, fucking, man. You're like, number one, Star Wars. Fuck Star yeah. Wars. Like any, anything Star, Star Wars. Wars is right number one. Fuck I yeah. love you. I know. Okay. Uh, number two, nine to five. Number three, stir crazy. Number four, airplane. And some honorable mentions of uh, the Blue Lagoon, the Blues Brothers, uh, Smokey and the Bandit 2, uh, Caddyshack, and Raging Bull. Oh, wow. Martin Scorsese's uh, one of his magnum opuses. Fucking genius has had multiple ones. Uh, <laughs> Gotta do Caddyshack. Uh, Oscar winner for Best Picture, Ordinary People, uh, directed by Robert Redford, starring uh, Donald Sutherland. Mary Tyler Moore, Judd Hirsch, and Timothy Hutton. So, fucking stacked cast. And Timothy Hutton was like one of the youngest Oscar winners of all time. Um, uh, is nineteen when a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. Oh wow! Yeah, Razzie winner for Worst Picture, the first Razzie Awards. Yeah, like we said, the winner can't stop the music. Uh, I was wondering when we talked about it earlier. I couldn't. I knew Friday the Thirteenth was nominated, but I couldn't remember what what actually. Friday the Thirteenth should have won. I actually think it would have helped it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some people uh, would argue and say now say that it never should have been nominated. Hey man, I've worked on a Razzie Worst Picture winner. Uh, blonde, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, God, terrible. Yeah. Anyway, nineteen. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to try to say something cheery up. I can't think anything. Yeah, so. there's nothing. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I really, you know, it's so funny is we all thought it was going to get nominated for Best Picture, and it fucking gets nominated. But wins, to be fair, picture. Ana de Armas did get nominated. Nominated for, for Best Actress, Best Actress, and Worst Actress, and. Oh, really? See, that's I what I'm saying. So. Uh. Nobody knows anything. We're all idiots. Okay, uh, movie ticket price in 1980 averaged $2.69. And then nice. just, yeah, just for inflation, $8.47. So still a deal. 1980 time person of the year, Ronald Reagan. Uh, born in 1980, Jessica Simpson, Macaulay Culkin, and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, Hamilton. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. Cool. Uh, events of the year. The U.S. defeated Soviet Union in the Olympic ice hockey gold medal match. Miracle on ice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mount St. Helen erupted. CNN was launched. Post-it notes went on sale. John Lennon was shot. And Ronald Reagan was elected president of the United States. Ronald Reagan? The actor? All right, best scenes and lines from Friday the 13th. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Warren, it was slim pickings for me, okay? <laughs> I struggled. Um, I had a two jumped out at me uh, as a play on words there. You'll figure out in a second. Uh, but I, I did I did struggle a little bit on honorable mentions. Uh, you go ahead and kick things off, though. What is your runner-up for best scene? My runner-up... Um Look, man, during the climax of the film, it's it's got to be the reveal when uh, uh, Pamela has been uh, killing all the uh, horny teenagers. Uh, that, that, yeah, that, that scene when she comes in and, and tells Alice, like, it becomes clear who the killer is. You see, Jason was my son, 
And today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? Not after what happened. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason. My only child. You had him drowned. You never paid any attention. Look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. Mm. Like the okay. reveal. That's I got, okay. Right. The the re- it's, it's a little ambiguous as far as like. No, it's just that 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 scene where she's talking because you start to see how unhinged she is. At gotcha. first, you're like, okay. "Oh, she, hey, how you doing? Oh, you're here to help. Oh, I'm not scared. Oh, okay, whatever." And then you just kind of slowly start to see, "Oh shit!" Like something uh, right here. Something's not right. Yeah. Okay, uh, my runner-up. Actually, I, I really liked this death scene. Uh, it's actually Kevin Bacon's character Jack uh, when he's you know him and Marcy have just you know whatever done their business and uh, he's laying in the bed there. And you see the hand reach around and grab him from under the bed, and then an arrow stabs through his neck. Uh, that is just great. That that death scene there, just so like kind of surprises. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon, man. <laughs> when Jack is murdered in bed, I love how Jack, uh, he, dude, great acting by Kevin Bacon. He's he's just so proud of himself. Like job well done. Like you yeah. know, really kind of just did it right, you know. And, oh sure. Uh, then he yeah gets fucking killed. That's my winner. That's your winner for best. I oh, love okay. that. I fucking nice. love that death scene. I, That's it's a, great. That is the highlight of the film there. It and is. Got, it is. It's the best one. And you got Ned on the top bunk who's been dead. And like, how do they not see him? I guess they were you know, preoccupied with yeah, other whatever. thoughts. Yeah, whatever. They don't but, care. Yeah. Uh, good one. Good one. Uh, I almost was my winner. However, for, for my winner, I had to go with the classic, the iconic twist, jump, jump scare ending uh, where Jason jumps out of the lake. And grabs Alice and pulls her in. Uh, for me, that uh, Jason lives. Jason lives. That that uh, yeah, um, that was my. That winner. is my. I had that as an honorable mention, and that wraps me up because that was the only honorable mention I had. <laughs> okay, I had just a couple. Um, one is um, Marcy's death uh, when she's you know. I just love how she does like the Catherine Hepburn thing in the mirror, her her imitation, and then drifts off into the the. Um, the bathroom, the showers there, and and it gets killed. Uh, I think that just the the tension that builds to the way that scene is done is is very good. Um, and then the only other honorable mention I had is uh, near the end of the film, at the I guess the the beach where the canoes and stuff are, where Mrs. Voorhees and Alice are fighting, and Alice uh, chops Mrs. Voorhees' head off. I laughed out loud when that happened because it's just so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it but is, I, I had to have it as an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's move on to best lines. Uh, what is your runner up for best line? Uh, man, Bacon as Jack really shines with the delivery of some of his lines. I, I fucking love Bacon in this movie. Uh, my runner up is an exchange between Jack and Marcy when, you know, Jack's just trying to get laid and he's like, come on, I love you. And Marcy's like, what about Ned? I don't love Ned. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. They just that exchange. Um, just his sarcasm and his humor. Uh, and then I've got a couple, I got a uh, uh, honorable mention of his as well, but I'll save it. He doesn't have a lot to do in the film, but he does it well. He's, he's, he, he's, he's good with a little. Yeah. Um, my runner up is Ralph's Warning. I'm the messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. This place is cursed. Cursed. It's got a death curse. Who are you? What do you want? God sent me. Get out of here, man. I got to warn you. You're doomed if you stay. Go. Go. The actor, that, that just the delivery that, of that. That is an honorable mention. So yeah, that, out, that, yeah, that warning is pretty good there. Um, however, my winner is, and I, you had it probably part of your runner-up for best scene, but to me, it is a line. I know we kind of argue about this back and forth, but it's a specific moment from the scene where you're getting introduced to Mrs. Voorhees as the true killer when she gives her backstory about Jason and what happened to him, that little snippet there uh, where the devolving into madness and you see her true motivations. That's my winner for best line. You see, Jason was my son and today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? Not after what happened. Would that include his name was Jason and today is his birthday? Yes. Yeah, that is my winner. Okay, so yeah, it would be that whole that, that whole segment okay. there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I'm going just that one. So line, you but. you get on me. You had your runner up for best scene. Yeah. Well, this movie doesn't give you a lot okay, to pick from. Okay, so you always I mean, got it's ex- fucking slim pickings, man. You this got an excuse for everything. One of the worst ones we've ever done. Uh, for, in my taste, I mean, hey, look, some people love this one. I'm more Freddy Krueger and, and yeah, Pennywise. I'm more Nightmare. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm more Nightmare. I'm Team Freddy. Uh, I, Jason just never really did it for me. I hate that word. We're, we're maybe uh, isolating you. Doing the Twilight. Uh, a lot of Jacob. Yeah, aud- audience team here. Um, okay, I only had one honorable mention. Just get it out of the way. It is, um, and this actually, I do like this acting um, by Betsy Palmer um, whenever she like raises her voice up and, and imitates uh Jason and says, kill her, mommy. Don't let her get away. And she says, I won't, Jason. That whole like inner dialogue for her saying Jason's line and then her response. Yeah. yeah, that I like that. All right. What about you? Any any other honorable mentions? I only had one left, and it's by Kevin Bacon, man. Oh, oh that's when, right. Uh, yeah. The exchange when the sheriff's like, what you been smoking, boy? Hey, nice bike. What you been smoking, boy? Smoking. Don't smoke. Causes cancer. You know what I mean. Would you just get off a spaceship or something? Colombian gold, man. Grass, hash, the weed. Dig it? <laughs> that all other dude. He's such a smart ass. Oh, that's good. Okay. Moving on to Judge Bob's recasting court, where Warren and I will attempt to recast the film with today's stars. All rise for the Honorable Judge Bob presiding. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. You may be seated. Recasting court is in session, fellas. How are we doing? Uh, yeah, I, I quit standing in uh, season four, halfway through. Yeah, again, you don't have to get close to the mic, Warren. You see the distance I'm at. Just, just what? talk. I, I like to, I like to cradle the mic. You know, I, yeah. like, to, I like to. hold You don't it. have to get close to it like this. It's just not necessary. 
For all yeah, you like listeners out there, forgive us. This is our first time. First time, yep. New computer set up for Warren, and so it's the new computer might as well be first computer. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, I was just say we had IT help figure this out because I was clueless. Uh, share your screen, click device settings. Um, yeah, well, we're here. We did it. Uh, hopefully, everything's recording good. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll find, find out. out. In post. <laughs> we'll find out in post. Um, uh, before we get started, Bob, I just want to say that I check the stats. You know, I, I keep record of everything. I have, out of the last eight films we've done, I've won one recasting. <laughs> I'm one and seven right now over, over the last day you're like the patriots i'm like the patriots yeah <laughs> once a great team completely fell apart if i lose this one i'm taking a bye week i'm just i'm taking a bye week uh we'll get somebody else in i recommend to, you start reading the scripts so. yeah, I, got, I got a problem could, with that. that might help tonight we're gonna hear recasting for jack marcy bill allison mrs Voorhees. I have long wanted to do like a breakaway segment that you have to pick between Nicolas Cage and Kevin Bacon. You have to put one of the two in every movie. Oh. And which one would you put in? What character would uh, you put them in? And why? I think Bacon is I think Bacon's the safe play. But no, no, no. I, I just, I, I, you can put him in almost anything. I think it would be so much fun if every movie had to argue about, all right, so you go on Bacon or you go on Cage? And you have to put one of those as a character actor One somewhere in the movie. So it just gets me excited that we have a, a Kevin Bacon movie. If we were going to do Steve Christie, uh, the, the camp, the, the, whatever the owner of the, he would, you could put him in there, but, uh, I don't think he fits in any, <laughs> my Mrs. Voorhees, <laughs> just Nicholas Cage. <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, I, I love both of these guys. So good, good to see, uh, yeah. Good, good to see a Kevin Bacon film on the roster. Getting some representation on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We just don't ever get to hear the name Nicolas Cage very much. He does so many great films, but does he do any like replay value? I mean, do we have any on the mm. docket? Have we done any in past? You know, where's Snake Eyes? I mean, come on, guys. Come on. Snake Eyes. We're never doing that movie. It's like one of, <laughs> dude, literally, are you trying to lose your judgeship? I mean, I like, think he is. I think he is. You'd like name in one of the worst Brian De Palma movies ever committed to celluloid. No, what are we talking about? That movie's fantastic. What? I don't care what you say. You know what? Uh, it, next no. week. Isn't like isn't Gary Sinise the villain? <laughs> Look at Lieutenant Dan. It's terrible. Next week, oh. Broken Arrow. All right. <laughs> yeah, I like some Broken Arrow. You back the fuck off, Broken Arrow. Don't be mar- don't be don't be patronizing Broken Arrow. That is a fucking classic. Howie Long. <laughs> I, I'll just say John Travolta, Christian oh, Slater. My God. Oh man. Oh, I used to classic. do a great Slater impersonation. John Woo, too. baby, coming off the face off uh success. Oh. I will say that in the you know the movie, all the movies that we've recasted since we've been doing this, we've never used Nicolas Cage or Kevin Bacon, neither one of us. I'm telling you, and it, I, so. I just, wow. it's always like when I'm driving down the road listening to these, because, you know, all narcissists have to listen to themselves, right? And your honor, judgeship. 
Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have the position without a little narcissism. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't brought up the fact that you're undefeated in at least a couple of episodes. Oh, it's been several episodes. Wow. Yeah, he's forgotten. Yeah, well, you know, but yeah. that's the thing about being excellent. People will bring it up for you. Thank you, Warren. Thank you. Mm. Go ahead and mm. put you down Fair. for one already. Phil, looks like you're going yeah. one yeah, and nine. Great. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, one and eight well, out of over the last nine. Okay. The, uh, the ball is in your court. From last week, Warren, who do you have cast yeah. as Jack? Jack, filling the shoes of uh, Kevin Bacon, the great Kevin Bacon. Um, so with Jack, look, this is a, a, a cast of uh, you know high school, college kids. Uh, yeah, uh, well, they're supposed to be in high school, but I guess some of these counselors. No, are. I mean, I would say they're a little older. I'd say yeah, college, early 20s. Uh, yeah, early yeah. 20s. So, yeah. Um, very much went with that vein. I remember him from uh, uh, Girl Meets World, and then he played a bully in uh, He's All That, and I couldn't believe how much he'd grown up since I saw him on Girl Meets World and then in He's All That. I went with Peyton uh, Meyer as my uh, as my Jack. Peyton Meyer. Not familiar with him. I was looking up a – okay, okay, I know this guy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's been in stuff. Just kind of like a pretty face to be like the – you know, the – the, the the honk of the, the there's going to be a guy at the camp yeah. uh, flaunting his stuff trying you know trying trying to get some action they definitely could yeah. see him playing this part you could do like a Tanner Buchanan from uh, Allah um, I think we've used him both at this point from from Cobra Kai yeah um, dude but Kevin Bacon is fucking great at this part like there, there's some really good lines that he he's, he he uh, absolutely crushes that I covered in the last segment but uh, yeah it's <laughs> you can even see some of the star potential uh in 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 bacon even when you go back and watch it now yeah um you know i kind of was looking at the same i think the same mentality as far as like the face the look the attitude that you'd want somebody to bring for this character i went with will poulter um you know he's a little older he's 30 but i feel like he you know age wouldn't be as much of a factor here he could definitely play in that type of mid 20 early 20s range mm-hmm. uh i'd say most well known for I think we're the millers face you know too much though right you I, go I, a little it, more unfamiliar it, look, i mean th- i know that was the vibe of like we talked about earlier uh when casting this film you know, it was mostly unknowns you, we can't really do that for <laughs> For recastings, man, we we gotta throw some names. Yeah, we've already used me there. this season. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I could, I, I, I guess I could put put you in here as Jack. Although I don't know if you could quite pull off the the early twenties uh, part. There, no, but no, that day's passed. Yeah. Um. So Will Poulter, though, known for Will the Millers, Sadly. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I think <laughs> think he'd be. Uh, <laughs> so he could be pretty good for. Are him. we are, are we out of Dakry Montgomery already? Oh, Dakry Montgomery. That would have been pretty good. I used him for uh, I used him for Good Will Hunting, so no Dakry for me. But I have thought about him a couple times here lately. Uh, I I have not used Dakry. I should have. Uh, would have been good for here. Just seemed a little uh, I, uh, I just, a little perfect. Yeah, I felt Will Poulter though is uh, when I, I think so. P- part of it is like you know I look at the vibe of like it has like that early '80s, late '70s vibe to it. So I did. Think about that type of because if we were to recast it today, I wouldn't recast it as a 2023 film. I would when we recast it in the era, the era in which it was originally made. And I feel like when I when I when I look at some of the, the actors that I picked, I did want to fit use ones that kind of fit that mold of like late 70s, early 80s. That, that's part of the reason I'm with Will Poulter as well. Fair enough. Uh, not much of an explanation needed there. Well done on the Will Poulter. 
Good look. Oh, thanks, man. Can't he rambled forever. Mine was yeah. short and sweet. I didn't need to say shit. Well, I had to justify not pulling from the Stranger Things. God, I used to watch <laughs> Girl Meets cast. World with my daughter all the time. And I'm looking at pictures of Peyton Meyer like, oh, what the fuck happened? <laughs> he, was such a, he was a kid. He's, he's like a grown-up now. I'm just yeah. like, I hadn't, they grow up fast. I hadn't seen him in anything. I, and he went from yeah. that to that. Like, oh, you know, like that just happened in this podcast. That was a fast glow-up. Yeah. I, I, I thought of him because I, I like, yeah, Girl Meets World, I worked on the pilot. And I was a kid watching Boy Meets World, and I worked on the crew. And I remember I got to see in the pilot episode where he goes, and now it's your turn to meet the world. And he gives her like that cool handoff moment. It was neat. It was also cool, like they had the old man principal back, yeah. and he looked the same. And it was just really uh, surreal for me to work on it, having watched Boy Meets World as a as a kid. So, had to give Girl Meets World some love. Okay, yeah, I was like, That's welcome great. to the Girls Meets World, Boys Meets World uh, podcast here. You know. Uh, all right, are you fucking hating on the show, man? I, I actually haven't watched Girl Meets World. Oh, it's fantastic! Yes, you did. you it's watched fantastic. Boy Meets World Boy, Boy as a Meets kid. World. Yeah, I watched. Yeah, that, of course, course you yeah. did. Girl Meets World was fantastic. Topanga, come on! It's uh, well, she's in the new one. Highly recommend it. I know. Sure it's it's. I mean, the, it came and went. It's yeah. It's been over for a while. All right. Well, here's the exciting thing. We're moving on. Phil, Thank you. Who do you have cast as Marcy? Uh, Marcy was a tough one for me. Um, you know, definitely like the social butterfly of the group. Um, you know, her, her, you kind of look, kind of look at her and Jack as a pair. Obviously they're kind of attached to the hit for most of the film. Um, thought of, uh, Riley Keough, uh, not a household name. Uh, she was in the, the show on, uh, Amazon, uh, Daisy Jones and the six, uh, which she plays Daisy Jones. Great show. She's great in that. However, I ended up going with Maya Hawk as my Marcy. I feel like, you know, again, fits that mold of like late seventies, early eighties has that type of camp counselor. I think, I think she would fit the vibe of the Marcy character very well. Warren. Ah, Uh, man, this fucking movie, dude. Okay. Um, Marcy, 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 Marcia, Marcia, Marcia. Uh, (laughs) No, please, God. No, uh, my Marcy, you know, I kind of settled on this pretty quickly. It came to me, and it feels right. Uh, I love me some Euphoria. I love me some Hunter Schaefer in Euphoria. I think Hunter Schaefer would be great in this part. Okay. Love to see it. Uh, yeah, no, definitely a very talented uh, actress there. Uh, I actually haven't gotten into Euphoria yet, um, but I know why, that why? she is going to be why, in the why new uh, Hunger. That? She can be in the new Hunger Games movie, uh, which mm. I'm pretty excited to see. So, yeah. and good choice. <laughs> There's a certain earthy nature stonerness to these camp counselors, right? Yeah, you got to get like the knee high because they're shirts. stoners. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's just a certain look. There's a certain you know, gruff, pretty to them all at the same time. You need someone that can kind of be that, you know sexy kind of person for marcy but at the same time they got to look like a camp counselor for god's sakes and you're yeah, not yeah. you're not getting the prom queens not going to fucking camp right yeah she don't do that too shit. beautiful yeah yeah and and maya hawk <laughs> hey man this is man, a strict parents she does anything to get out of the house 
And I'm you just did saying, pull she's from like, the Stranger she's like Things. Mo- she's pool, like a model. You fucking dick. I'm trying not to pull from the Stranger Things. Pull. Blah, blah, blah. No, I just. I think. I think. Uh, you, camp counselors. They have a certain look, and, and it's not to say that they're not going to be beautiful. I think my hawk's beautiful, but there's just they got to have a an earthier kind. They're of out pretty in nature, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Help you exactly. Yeah. Yeah, might might have a little underarm hair, you know. Might oh. might be a little just a little earthier. So need, need more earthier. natural, you know. What the fuck are earthier. you talking about? Well, where do you where do you get your? <laughs> I, I, I got you. I, really, I got um, you. Uh, yeah. uh, from you, Dante. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice grandma's boy cut there. We we, we got to do grandma's boy class. Oh, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, Bill. You're on a heater. Who do you have as Bill? Uh, yeah, I think it's the first time I've won two in a row. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Warren, Bill, you can just go um, ahead and take this one. Moving on, yeah, who is thank Alice? You. <laughs> well, I'm um, not going to say I'm not going to use uh, me some. Uh, uh, oh shit! You well, no, it's me. It's still well, me. No, you Bill. should do Bill. Bill Alice is kind of the lead, Robbie. We'll joking. get back to you. Uh, he, you didn't really yeah, win it. Just joking. that easy. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! You take it from me all the time. He, he jumped bullshit. the gun there for a second. Um, no, for Bill, um, I, I, there is some recency bias built in. We just did it a couple episodes ago, um, so you know, you're looking at a crop of, of of, and those actors actually now are in prime position to 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 you know they've gone been six years uh, since that occurred it, to me as well. Spoilers. Yeah. So for Bill, I went with Chosen Jacobs. Um, who 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 is I'd say most yeah. well known for uh, it chapter one, and I feel like for the the Bill character, I think it's a lot of flack, but it's like very capable. It's like all I mean, trying to keep things running, keep people safe, keep thing. Yeah, I would say that it's it was a shock to for his character went out the way that he did, but I feel like uh, Chosen would be would be great for it. Warren. Yeah. Uh, well, I did pull from the Stranger Things pull, and I'm not going to go saying I'm not going to, then do it anyway, <laughs> Philip. My bill is Caleb McLaughlin. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've already used him. Yeah. So just like the It kids are aging into this, as are the Stranger Things kids. Mm. Yeah, no. I mean, I didn't say I, I wasn't going to use a, the Stranger Things at all. I just didn't occur to me for Jack, is all I was saying. Dakery Montgomery was, like Bob's point was good, though. But yeah, no, Caleb is, yeah, I like him a lot. Caleb McLaughlin, well done, Warren. Finally, I got on the board. Go ahead and cue the Stranger Things music. Come on, come on. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have it on... on on my little board here. You should have it at this point. Really? Yeah, well... Shame on you. I know. Yeah. All right, Warren. Yeah. See what you got here for Alice. Can I pull off a Brady comeback? Let's let's see here. Woo, Philip, sending you back to Loserville. Um, Alice, I thought of Sadie Sink. Cue the Stranger Things. No, yeah, uh, no, Jesus. She, she would be great. Uh, in this. Uh, however, uh, if you watch the um, the Fear Street trilogy that came out on Netflix, yeah, the I second like the one in that one, yeah, yeah, I like the ninety four. It's the not ninety four one. The second one in that, which I think is in the seventies. Uh, she plays. It's 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 very much like an homage to Friday the Thirteenth, and she kind of actually she plays a camper in that, but she could do the. the oh, well, there you Alice. go. Um, so yeah. I, mean, I haven't even seen that. So I'm I'm on the. They're money good. There. I like those a lot. Uh, yeah. But I thought of what Phil, you and I kind of picking from the same tree here. Thought that a lot of the actors from it have aged into this. I pick Sophia Lillis oh, as my okay. Alice, who has proven yeah. to be capable. 
carrying a movie, in particular this movie in the third act, which it really needs an actor to carry. Mm-hmm. Sophia would be up to the challenge. Mm-hmm. No, I actually think that's really good. I like that a lot. It's a good, good choice. Um, I think I've used her this season. No, I haven't. But uh, no, I, I the, the, who I thought of, it just seems so perfect. I kind of want to see her in that slasher screen queen type of role. And uh, I just feel she'd be great for it. Uh, Anya uh, Taylor-Joy is my Alice. Uh, I, I would love. Yeah, dude. I think, again, fits that's the vibe of terrible, the late that's 70s. A gross misuse of, oh, man. No, 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 no. Yeah, I feel dude. like she'd be great for she's that. She's kind of out of that age group at this point, too. What? Um, she's. No. Dude, she's can't playing say that. women Listen, at this point. Dude. You're not. Yeah. Uh, Again, you guys, you're not putting it, we're, her we're going ATJ and Hunter Schaefer are in the same like category esque. These girls aren't at fucking summer camp, right? They're, yeah, you still got to have a look. <laughs> There's just a certain look to it. I think uh, Sophia Lillis. I think Sophia Lillis has the ability to really carry yeah. a lot of That's this. Right. I mean, that was an excellent. Yeah. Excellent casting. That was good. No, that was good. No, that was good. Oh, look, that it's is It's all fantastic. fucking tied up, bitch. <laughs> Brady came look back. At that. Hey, all tied up. what would football be without Jeff Fisher? Yeah, I think I probably part of me didn't want to do Alice because I had chosen Jacobs as my bill. I didn't want to do both two actors from from it. So, so is it tied up? It's all for the. It's all for the title right here. Yeah. yeah. Tiebreaker. Don't even need well, one. Not, that, not even really go. need one. Yeah. This is just such a such a fucked up character. <laughs> There's so much it about really this is. that is so wrong so on so many fucking levels. It is a, yeah. a beautiful, well wrote, well thought out, just uh, un, just awful, awful, awful. One of the most worst humans ever, Mrs. Voorhees. Warren, hit me. Yes. <laughs> I thought of Tilda Swinton. But I'm going with Julianna Moore. Oh my god, Julianne Moore! I think uh, she would oh be my god. fucking great in this. Mm. To be unhinged like that, she can truly. Uh, uh, she's so yeah. talented to she's be able just, to just do is. this, and, and you would believe her. You right. would believe everything she said. She she would sell this, and this movie. I look. No disrespect to Betsy Palmer. Oh my god, this 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 would be. Uh, this this would be a serious horror film uh, with with her at the uh, in this part. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I, 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 you need talent to do that to do it well uh, in this part. You need someone that's going to terrify you, but at the same time is going to be. Um, that's what's portray- so great about Julianna Morris. You love her. She could see her as done? the mother. No, I'm not. You could see her as the mother, <laughs> but then you could also see her completely unhinged, being the killer at the end. It fucking works. Oh Dude, wow, that's almost like this. exactly I what I was setting myself uh, yeah. up to say Spoiler and was going word? to say before you yeah. interrupted me. It's amazing how that works out. Spoiler how it's like, word. oh, I can see the, the just, thought it's that per- it's perfectly. It's perfectly uh, backing and he's up. He's still my going. Casting. He's still going. I can see the thought that Philip's developing, so let me interrupt it and finish it for him like it's my own original thought instead. Well, you know, I went with Margot Martindale uh, as my vis- Mrs. Voorhees. She has got the range. She could play both sides. You would suspect it's her mother. from the very beginning. <laughs> you don't see her until you already know. You don't see but, her. But it, it, it's it's so on the nose. I don't know. Julianna Moore, you could, I, I just feel like being the mother part too. Yeah, Margaret Martindale just breeds the the evil in this. <laughs> you guys are, it's, it's so hard because it's such a 
fucked up character and you guys are hitting like the Kathy Bates uh, misery slash like Margot, the Martindale character. And then I feel like Julianne Moore is in that Carrie uh, Margaret White space. Like it's just, it's just, it's so, this character is such a fucked up human being. Uh, I got to go with Julianne Moore. I think she nails this fucking thing. I think she yeah. nails it. I, I, yes. God, Margot Martindale. I think that the turn you, I don't know. Julianne scares the shit out of me. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. One and eight. Good job, Warren. Thank you. Victory! Came back too. I was down 0 2. Yeah. It was like uh, 28 3. It's really kind of you, Bob, to do that for him. You know, he really needs He needs a win, man. Good good, good on you for helping out. I'll take what I could get, dude. To this real, fucking indi- this industry has kicked me in the teeth. Sneakerella. No. <laughs> this industry has kicked me in the teeth. I'll take whatever I can get. Recasting <laughs> a Tarantino movie and winning recasting court, bitch. But you lost that. That's the, that's the, actually the last movie I won was Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I don't even care because I won. I was just, <laughs> yeah. and like That's so the one the time you won. There. I didn't even give a shit because I was recasted and that casting won. So, Therefore, yeah. I won. In, in that episode. Yeah, I won. In, in, in life, uh, in that reality. But before that, I won what the episode I won was Predator, which was episode eight. Mm. <laughs> so next next episode, we're, we're set on this, right? We're doing Broken Arrow. Yeah, right. I'm just going to cast Nicolas Cage for every role. Just nutty professor Someone that shit. please cast Nicolas Cage, please. Oh, my God. Nicolas Cage <laughs> oh, as nutty professor. I'm in. Take my money. Uh, Take Zen, my money. Look, Z- Zendaya, Pete Davidson, Nicolas Cage, uh, Emma Roberts. I just came. All right, Bob. <laughs> thanks, bud. Recasting court is adjourned. All right. Fan theory time. You didn't think Fuck. you were going to get out of here without a fan theory, Warren. I was hoping okay. um, So this is, I'm going to go ahead and say this is a bit of a stretch, but I liked this fan theory when I read it. Uh, so in one of the later Jason films, um, you do see the Necronomicon from the Evil Dead franchise. Um, so you know that it exists in the same universe, uh, so to speak. Um, so the fan theory goes that Mrs. Voorhees actually brought Jason back using the Necronomicon and uh, the counselors, uh, a blood sacrifice from the counselors. That's how you're able to see Jason coming out of the water that would explain him essentially coming back from the dead. It was using blood sacrifice and the Necronomicon uh, from uh, Evil Dead. Uh, And there's a couple of um, things uh, that will support that. One is that there are certain things that happen uh, in the film and it could just be chalked up to bad writing or whatever, but there are certain physical feats that happen to like throw somebody through a window or the arm that grabs Jack's Kevin Bacon's Jack character from under the bed looks like very masculine. Um, certain things of strength um, that happen that cannot be explained by Mrs. Voorhees alone. Um, so the, the fan theory goes on that in some aspects, Jason actually was responsible and was working with his mom uh, and on some of the deaths uh, in the film. And that after she dies at the end, uh, he's very frightened, and he reverts back to his boy form, and then you know jumps out of the lake and whatnot. So, 
Well, I mean, I don't think so, because he was already kind of... It seems like the condition he was in at the end of the movie implies mm-hmm. he ain't been coming out of the water a whole lot. <laughs> well, again, that's like a revert back to... <laughs> it's like to, fucking Swamp Thing, man. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of reverted back to his form, though, after his mom died. So, But the, the ultimately, the core of the fan theory is that uh, Jason, Mrs. Voorhees, used the blood sacrifice and the nom- Necronomicon to bring Jason back to life, which was kind of would make him coming back canon to the franchise. Mm. You don't even think of the mom now. You just think of Jason. Yeah, I know. Uh, so what's your fucking fan theory, man? That that, that That's it. That that, <laughs> that, that that explains how he came back to life. That's it. That Mrs. Voorhees, like, in... in, in she I don't died. think he helped her during the whole thing. No, no, well, that that's parts of much, much more of a stretch, but I think, you know, her goal uh, to, you know, losing her son and whatnot was to bring him back, and she, she succeeded in that. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I think he was intended to be dead, and they just brought him back for sequels. I don't know who cooked that up, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's, yeah, I, it's I, it, I don't know, man. They just I don't wanted think to have any a franchise. Intended. Yeah, it, it did good at the movies theater, the box office. They're like, well, we've got to figure out a way to make money off this. Hey, man, it can be whatever you want it to be because this was supposed to be a one-off, uh, and it certainly wasn't supposed to be the dead son from the first movie. It's supposed to be the killer. Yeah, uh, that's the best I have. Sorry. I mean, do they add in the end of the carry thing so they set up the franchise? I mean, yeah, that's, clearly, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Whatever. Uh, all right, man. Look, uh, I'll give this one to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's the first fan theory in like four seasons that I want to go with. Right. Uh, yeah, I can't win at recastings, but I can win, win at a fan theory. And we'll close out the episode discussing the legacy of Friday the 13th. I mean, man, it's the franchise. I mean, look, it held the title, as I mentioned earlier, as the highest grossing horror franchise uh, till 2018. Halloween overtook it with the new movies. They got the new trilogy, right? 12 slasher films, a television series, six novels, four publishers have done comic books. So that tells you how many there have been. Uh, three video games, six books, and two uh, chronicling the making of the movie. So uh, this, and a novelization came out in 1987, seven years after the making of this, which is really long for the gap for a novelization to come out. Yeah. But, I, um, I, Wow. Very prolific. Now, I will. I want to say something real quick about the films in the franchise. That he didn't actually get the iconic mask until the third film. I think some people, you know, you, you associate. Oh, you have it in the second one. Didn't have it in the second one. He wore. Uh, I can't. What did he wear? Like, I think uh, he, when he got in the middle of the third film, he was wearing like a, a paper bag or like a sack or something over his head, and then he killed someone who had a hockey mask and then came out wearing it. Um, but he was the killer in all of the films except for the first one, which was, you know, Mrs. Voorhees. And then the fifth one, uh, he was um, not the killer in that one. It was a character named Roy Burns. Um, so it was kind of weird that you know, he's so well associated with that and that look, but didn't hmm. get it until the third film and it wasn't even the killer in two of them. Wow. Interesting. You just don't think that with the franchise at all. Yeah. Uh, spoofs. Uh, Friday the 13th, uh, Spaceballs, uh, they share the 14 sequels, uh, <laughs> Christmas Vacation, of course, The Mask, when he the opens mask, the, yeah, 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 that's a famous from, uh, like a spoof, uh, probably the most famous spoof of Friday the 13th in another hit movie, uh, Scream 2 and Robot Chicken. Yeah. Just the look of the, of, you know, the, the machete and the, or, you know, killing instrument and then the hockey mask you know so mm. very well done uh you did you yeah. mention the the prequel series that's in development on peacock called crystal lake 
there is a prequel what? series in the works. Yeah, I don't what? know if you saw that. I didn't know. Which, that. I mean, they haven't done anything with the franchise since what two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it's due for one, and then there's also another uh, potential reboot, another one in the works too. So these iconic okay. franchises, where the character lives on, whether it be Freddy or Jason, they they always got to have something going. Uh, yeah, to try to, I mean, they just keep milking this fucking thing. Yeah. Although the Freddy franchise, the Nightmare franchise, has been dormant now for a while. This has been dormant for almost the same amount of time. I think it was yeah. 2009 for yeah, one and 2010 bring, for the Freddy, other. Freddy, man, you got to bring, bring Freddy back. It's been, yeah. been over well Dude, over a give decade. Give me some Freddy versus Jason. That's kind of when I dig Jason is when he's fighting Freddy. Uh, I, I, I hate Freddy so much. Even though I love Freddy, I tend to root for Jason in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say the video, you talk about video games. Um, there's one you actually may like. It came out in 2017. Uh, I think it started as a Kickstarter, uh, but it was called Friday the 13th, the game. And it was like a five person game where one person controlled Jason and the other four were camp counselors. And it took you through the different scenes of or set settings for the different movies. And you got movies. to kill them. And one part, yeah, you, and you would actually have to hunt down. So it was like a 1v4 type of uh, oh, game. I dig it. It's kind of cool, yeah. It's kind of like a what Dead by Daylight. Let's see if that's on the PS5 network or something. <laughs> you get like an old version of it. Hey, they yeah. have old games. Oh, uh, I games. think they most likely do. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, All time list complex ranked at number nine on its best slasher films ever, and it was nominated for AFI's Hundred Years Hundred Thrills, which means the top four hundred uh, yeah. thrillers of all time. But it uh, did not crack the top one hundred, which is makes it. This one makes the list. Which yeah, here not. we are doing it anyway. <laughs> Double yeah, feature. Right. Yeah. Man, uh, so you look at the film. Uh, it, this really kind of carries the old tropes of the horror films of the time, uh, the tropes of uh, you know teen sexuality. If you have sex, you die. There was an r- interesting article written about it. We don't get into think pieces on this podcast. We're, we're not qualified for that. But there is a really cool thing where they talk about... We're not qualified uh, for thinking. <laughs> <laughs> period uh, it's like the smartless version of movie podcast yeah. uh, <laughs> gender of villain uh, where they really pull out the gender rug on you where you just they make it seem like it's a man and then it ends up being a woman there's an interesting thing piece that, that's mentioned uh, when I was researching yeah it reminds me of course of uh, where you know the kid uh, Michael Myers is a child in the first Halloween but also was that was it Prodigy that video that did that where you're in the first person view the whole time and at the end you realize it's a girl because you think mm-hmm. it's a guy that type of um, uh, su- surprise of yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the subversion gen- of gen- expectation gender assumption you have the subversion yeah, yeah, of expectation yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say the biggest impact though is it created a subgenre of slasher films kind of the ripoff the stalker slasher uh, subgenre yeah, yeah, dude just the straight ripoff of a of a classic I mean like uh, you know Jaws had a bunch of ripoffs and like Halloween had a bunch and I think like Friday the Thirteenth and there's like some ripoffs that are actually really big hit films and Friday the Thirteenth I mean I, I'm sorry. I didn't think it was a ripoff when I'm a kid watching it, but the years that have gone by since we started yeah. doing the podcast and we've watched a lot of movies, and now I'm watching, I'm like, oh god, this is John Carpenter Halloween, like wannabe. Uh, and then and then I do the research, I watch the movie first, and then I read that. Oh, he wanted it to be like Halloween. I'm like, oh wow, big surprise ending. I thought that was like Carrie. I read, oh, it was from Carrie. I'm like, oh, here we go. I mean, it's just but even the, be that like obvious. we said, the, the music Jaws. Uh, as far as the, the the attitude and the style behind it, but um, I, I don't know if there was a vacuum going on, and there wasn't just that you know there was success coming from Halloween and and some others, but 
there just wasn't enough out there to capitalize on it. And so, you know, I think they were the, the first to steal, I would say steal those ideas, but take those ideas and, uh, and help establish that subgenre. And again, the name Friday the 13th, if they didn't have that catchy of a name and like that, just something that audiences can just latch onto and identify with it. It's just like, it, it just, it, def- the name defines the franchise uh, more than anything else. Uh, especially when you consider that again, Jason and the hockey mask wasn't even there until the third one. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. When you told me that, I was like, I did not realize that. So the more, you know, right. Uh, I mean, Jason's in the second one, of course, and that, you know, but this, the look, did you didn't have yeah, the, the iconic look? look. Be, yeah. The iconic look didn't really come into full development until the third, third picture. Uh, so double feature. I mean, man, look, I, I it's got to be Freddie and Jason are just to me like linked like peas and carrots. Uh, I, I'm going Nightmare on Elm Street Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, um, yeah. there's just really no other pairing for me. Well, I, as much as I'd want to put Part Two, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, in here, uh, I, I checked the the franchise on Rotten Tomatoes, and again, I know you take it with a grain of salt. You got to look at critic score, audience score, both of which can be heavily influenced and not be real. But I looked, and out of the 12 films on the franchise, the first one is easily the most high, the highest rated. But all the other ones are 53% or less on Rotten mm. Tomatoes. Wow. I mean, just trash. Some of them are like single digits. It's it's very, very bad. So bad. Okay. I, I would say that, and again, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's not going to win any Oscars. It's, it's a stalker slasher film. But I'm going to agree with you. Double feature. There's a reason we picked it. You go Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. I mean, that's why that's the only reason we're doing it, if we're going to be honest. I mean, look, I appreciate all the horror f- fans. And look, Friday the 13th is great. Look, the, the, you know, you have your preferences. We're more Freddy. I think in a way, this, during this double feature, we almost kind of had a, Fr- a Freddy versus Jason with a double feature. And I think Freddy, Freddy's the winner for us. Freddy is. Freddy <laughs> is definitely the winner for the Replay Value podcast. And Kim Newman of Empire summed it up best when she said, quote, As the bodies pile up amongst this testy crowd of horny teens, there remains a vacant hole where someone scary should be. In a strange way, this film stands unique amongst all slasher films as one where the killer is nearly intangible, unquote. That is going to do it for this episode of Replay Value. Thank you so much for listening. The Replay Value podcast is hosted by me, Philip Reinerson, and my brother, Warren Paul. Our recasting judge is still Bob Thompson, produced, edited, and directed by Walter Pickles Productions, and dedicated to our father, who we have to thank for our love of cinema. Please be sure to follow the podcast, and if you like what you hear, take the time to rate, review, and share with a friend. You can visit us on our website, replayvaluepod.com, and follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at replayvaluepod. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every other Tuesday, and we'll see you then. Bye. This has been a Waldo Pickles production. 